0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Good to be in God's house on this Father's Day. We've got a special program for today, and... Um, especially toward the end of the service, so stay, stay tuned uh, for what's taking place, but let me be the first one to just shout out there, happy Father's Day to all our dads, amen, amen, don't, don't be quiet, don't get quiet on I me, mean, happy Father's Day, uh, also we had a, a men's fishing uh, competition, our fourth, I think, though, the fourth annual, and I'll give you more details about the winner of that at the end of the service. We don't want to cause any controversy before I start the message. I've got enough controversy in my message. I'm just joking. All right, so we've been in a series that we've entitled, what's the title of the message? Games Games People Play. Play. Games People Play. And we've been looking at the fact that sometimes and oftentimes the childhood games that we played had more to do with real life than we've ever thought. We've seen that so far with trivial pursuits, they're running after things that at best don't really matter and at worst can cost you everything. Like we saw in last week's message with, with Lot and his family, he had to leave it all behind based on the fact that he chose a place, where, based on the fact that where he pitched his tent. Remember that? He says Lot pitched his tent in a certain place. Be careful, my friends. Because not every good idea is a God idea, amen? And certainly everything that glitters is not gold. Beware beware of what I call the convenience trap, the the making decisions based on, listen to me, culture and, and, and not consulting Christ. Go back and listen to last week's message if you missed it. It's going to be worth listening to. All right? Well, today we're going to tackle a new game, and that game some of us are familiar with. is called the game of trouble. Trouble. How many played that game before back in the day? Yeah, a few people did. A few people did. I found this cool video. Let's take a look at it. It's about a minute, a minute, a little over a minute. Let's take a look at it. Isn't that a cool video? Now, now listen, if you've ever played Trouble, as you saw in the video, they use a single die on the plastic, what they call a pop device, that determines the number of spaces you move. And when you and when you and when you do your move, you place your peg into these cylinder holes that keep the pieces in place and prevent you from sliding or moving. The trouble comes, the trouble comes when your opponent lands on you and sends your pegs back home. Something that happens fairly frequently throughout the game, whether you want it to or not, listen to me, whether you expect it or not. Now, how does that imitate life? Well, if you've lived long enough, I'll have to tell you that trouble comes in some form or another fairly frequently, whether you want it or not, or whether you expect it or not. Can, can I get a witness? Come on. James 1, 2 told us, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, is that on your outline? Does everyone have an outline if, you, if you're listening online? Just somewhere note the word, write down the word whenever. Whenever. Because for the next few minutes, I'm going to go over three troubling facts about Troubles. Three troubling facts about troubles. The first one is that troubles are, write this down, inevitable. Inevitable. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It doesn't and it doesn't say if ever trials come. What does it say? Whenever. That's the word it uses. Whenever Trials come your way. Jesus said as much in John sixteen thirty three. Is not up there, but he he basically said, in this world you will have trouble. In fact, if you ever get a chance, and I encourage you to do so, a lot of people are now getting interested in end time stuff because we're seeing a lot of apparent end time things taking place. Matthew twenty four. Read that when you get a chance. Daniel chapter twelve. Read that when you get a chance and Revelations. This is just the first couple of books in the, in Revelations. Read that when you get a chance. But all of those predicts major troubling times coming on the earth as precursors to the end times and the coming of the Lord, all right? It talks about wars and rumors of wars. It talks about earthquakes and famines and nations rising against nations. That word nation could be broken down into nationalities. Kingdoms against kingdoms. It talks about plagues. It also talks about the persecution of God's people. This is not news to many people today because because in every society that that God's people get persecuted, you know what the precursor is? A lot of times they just change the laws and they make it uh, legal to persecute. How did did Hitler uh, turn the whole community against the Jewish people at the time? He just passed laws that... That, they, that made whatever they were doing illegal. So it made it legal to, to first uh, take their stuff and to not let them get jobs. And the next thing you know, they, don't, they can't work. They can't get a job. Well, then, then stealing their property, and then it ended up with many of them going to the death chamber. Listen to me. That happens all the time throughout history. If you want to uh, persecute a pe- person or people group, they just passed laws to make whatever you're doing something that is now uh, you can't do. <laughs> Read the Bible. It happened in the book of Daniel. It happens all throughout the scriptures where they'll just do things to justify going after the people. It happened with Hitler. It happens with the fascists. It happens with Marxists. It happens with the communists. It happens with the socialists to justify their hate towards God's people and, 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 and Christ followers. That's what's behind the radical Islamist movement in the Middle East, where Christians were being singled out and beheaded because of their faith. They just change the laws and make whatever uh, you are doing unacceptable, and then they justify going after you. Now, listen to me. That's what's that that that's the troubling times that 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 come now. The, can something like that come to this nation? It already has. It already has the laws that they're passing today are, are those that are related to abortion, those that are related to gender issues, stuff that Christians cannot get behind. Biblically, you can't get behind it. And so now for me now to just come up here on Sundays to, I could quote the Bible, preach it, just, I, not even add co- my own verses to it, my own context to it. I could just read it verbatim and it's going to be labeled hate speech and made illegal, and then it justifies the silences of Christians or the the removal of them from their jobs and, and further persecutions against them. The troubles are inevitable, and it's happening even now in our country. Not only are they inevitable, listen to me, troubles are, write this down, unpredictable, unpredictable. Matthew twenty four forty three, Jesus speaking, he said, but understand this, if the owner of the house had become, had known at what time that of the night the thief was coming, he would have what? Kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into, Jesus speaking. Now, he's speaking about his return, but the principle is the same. Troubles, when troubles show up, it very seldom knocks at the door first and announces I'm coming in to cause you problems. The thief doesn't announce that he's going to come in and break into your house before he comes in and breaks into your house. If you did, you'd be ready. And so, so so troubles are unpredictable. Hard times just show up and they show up along the lines of suddenlies. Now, let me give you the third thing. Troubles come in many shapes and sizes. Many shapes and sizes. It says consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. It says of many kinds. Now when it says many shapes and sizes, it could be as little as a cold or as serious as COVID-19. It could be as annoying as a bill collector and a phone call or something that, that someone in your family said to annoy you. Or it could be a sudden loss of an income or or chronic illness or tragic loss of life. And truth be told, what's on the heart of most people when these things happen, what's the big question when trouble comes into their life? It's the big why. It's the big why. Why is this happening? Or why is God doing this to me? And the next question is often there as well. What do I do now? Now that trouble has showed up to, at your front door, the loss of a job, the problem in your family, the, 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 the economy uh, shakes, what do I do now? Well, let's tackle both these questions first, the first one first this morning. Why does trouble come? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons. The natural order of the world, write that down, the natural order of the world, that's to say that, that after the rebellion of Genesis chapter 2 by man... It set some bad things in motion. Genesis chapter 2, 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly... Help me out, somebody. It says you will certainly die. Now, a lot of people look at this and say, Did they eat the fruit and immediately die? No, it actually took hundreds of years before they die- died. But the death process and the things that caused death began right at that moment of rebellion. Sickness came into the world. Disease came into the world. Aging came into the world. And eventual death would come into the world. And I believe that that's, where, that's when we started seeing those killer storms and earthquakes and mudslides that would wipe out hundreds and thousands of people. Tidal waves that would wipe out thousands overnight. Listen, you don't have to be a scientist or a geologist to know that, that there aren't too many 100% safe places on this planet to live. They just don't exist. In fact, some of the most expensive places in our country, California, Hollywood, those type of places, they have the worst catastrophe rates anywhere. It appears riddled with wildfires and earthquakes and fault lines. Come on, somebody. What's the cause of that? Well, the natural order kicked off because of the original sin. It kicked off rebellion against what's going on on this planet. Now, one day the Bible says that God's going to make everything right again, but we're not there yet. In Revelation 21, 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the old order of things have passed away. Now, again, that's a promise of a new heaven for all those who believe. Any believers in here? Amen. Any believers watching me online? Amen. Say Amen. So, so, it says, it says, so, so all you need to, but, but all you need to know that we are not there yet is to turn on the news. It's to open up your social media account, your Facebook or your Instagram to know that this ain't heaven. Amen. This ain't heaven. There is no social inequality in heaven. There's nobody dying needlessly in heaven. There, there are no more deaths at all in heaven. There are no buildings burning or people protesting or cities being barricaded. There are no more wars or no more rumors of wars. Listen to me. There are no plagues in heaven. All of that, is a, all of that stuff going on on this earth is a result of sin and death in the world. So natural order or disorder, if you will, explains some of the troubles that we see in this world. But it doesn't explain all of the reasons for troubles in this world. Sometimes troubles come, I want you to write this down, from satanic attacks, satanic attacks. Now, Paul warned us of this in Ephesians when he's told us, armor up. Jesus practically spelled it out for us. Somebody said, Pastor Rick, is, is, is somebody going through a, a spiritual battle? I said, <laughs> Young person, every single one of us was born into a spiritual battle. The moment you, you know, uh, uh, breathe your, open your eyes and breathe your first breath, you have entered into a spiritual battle on this earth. And so the Bible says that, and and Jesus says concerning that battle in John 10.10, he says the thief comes only to steal, kill, come on somebody, and destroy, and destroy I, but he says, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full." All through the scripture, the, the Bible talks about Satan and, and there are places where satanic strongholds have been. If you read the book of Revelation, he talks, of, he talks there's a message given out to the seven churches. But several of those, he said, there were in, in your cities, in, in, in these areas, it talks about demonic strongholds that have been set up to fight against God's people. And the encouragement of them to stay strong, to stay focused to what God's going to do eventually. First Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, your enemy, who? The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world, throughout the world, is undergoing the same kind of, what? What's the word? sufferings. It's a word that a lot of people don't want to use in the Christian context. But the Bible makes it clear that there's a certain amount of suffering that's going to take place to be a follower of Christ in this world. The Bible Bible also makes it clear that from the beginning, even in the garden, Satan was there to steal and to kill and destroy. Whether you believe it or not, the devil is real. He's evil. He's in this world. He hates God and he hates you. And he's out to, to, to do you in. And somebody would, would say, well, Pastor Rick, I never even met the devil. Why, why would he be upset with me at all? I don't even know who he is. Whatever, whatever I've ever done to, to him to make him hate me so much. The answer is you have done nothing. It's only because he hates God. And, and, and he can't get to God It's not like, oh, this is God and this is the devil and they're on equal terms. No, this is the devil and he's under our feet. That's what the Bible says. And God is all the way up here. He can't get to God except through that which God loves. You understand what I'm saying here today? If you can't get to God, you get to that which God loves. Every now and then, even as a pastor, Sometimes people will get upset with me in the ministry. I've been at it for a couple of years now. 20, yeah, over 20 20 years I've been at this. And a lot of times people get passive aggressive, meaning, in other words, I'm not going to come directly at you, but your kids are in the church, and so I'm going to come directly at them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes when, when people can't get to you, they go after what you love. Well, the same concept. The same concept. The enemy—it's not that the enemy hates you; he hates the God in you. He hates the fact that that God has set His affection on you. The Bible says that's because of His and because of His treachery, He was cast out to, out of heaven, and is awaiting a permanent sentence to be cast into the lake of fire. Now, the scripture makes it clear that the lake of fire was is a prison type system that was designed. Not for man. Listen, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus speaking, verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So he's saying that there are people who will end up in this uh, this system, this, uh, this prison. The Bible calls it hell. But it says that it was originally prepared not for man, but it was prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Now, the devil knows that his final destination is the lake of fire. And so, his goal is to, to take as many people that God loves with him as possible. Why? To hurt God. To hurt God. And, and, and so, we need to ask, how does he do it? Well, he does it through, we talked about it last week, deception, powerful deception coming on the planet, lies. I was talking to my neighbor and, 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 and I was talking to him about the things, spiritual things. And one of the things I said to him was, listen, when the devil shows up, the scripture says he's an angel of light, which means if he came to your house with, with horns and a pitchfork and a big old tail swashing around and knocked on your door and said, let me come in. How many people would let him come in? Say nobody. Nobody. And he's not that dumb. <laughs> when he shows up, the Bible says he comes as an angel of light. He comes looking like something that's good and godly and, and, and the whole nine things. And he comes to deceive that way. That's how he gets people to open the door and let him in. Because people think what they're jumping on or what they're letting in is good and godly. But it's a deception. He comes through temptation. He comes through rebellion. He comes through addictions. He comes through oppressions. And yes, he even comes through possessions. Does the devil still possess today? Come on, somebody. Because there are those, maybe even those who might be listening, say, Pastor Rick, the devil's not real or whatever. It's just what people tell each other, okay? Okay. But I, I've learned through the years, and I've been through many deliverance meetings where I've had to deal with the demonic control of in people's lives. Early on, when God started bringing me through my uh, lesson, I was in my 20s, early 20s, going to my friend, he's preached there before, Tom Holt's Bible study. And where we just go in, we, we worship, we listen to... We listened to a, a message that God put on his heart, but God every week would send different people, and it, it wasn't unusual for a new face to show up to the Bible study. And this one particular day, a guy walked in, a young man, Victor, young man, black hair, in his 20s, about my about my age at the same time. And as he was giving, Tom gave the Bible study that was great. At the end, we always go. We always went into a period of. of of worship and praise and prayer. And something was a bit different about these Bible studies because when we went into that period, and that's why even on Sunday mornings, I, I like to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit feels comfortable coming in. How many you know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom? Come on, somebody. The, when the, where the Spirit of the Lord there's victory. And so the Holy Spirit came into that room. And all of a sudden, this young man, whom I've never met before, starts jerking and driving and doing all this other stuff. And he starts to, he goes down on the ground and he starts to, like, he starts to writhe. And, and immediately we're like, uh oh, <laughs> this guy brought in, there was a spirit in him. So we started to cast these things out because the Bible tells us that, that these signs shall follow those who believe. How many know that we have the ability to cast out demons? Amen? And so, and so we start in the name of Jesus. We command these things to leave, to come out in the name of Jesus. And, and as he's on the floor and he's stiffening it up, he's, he's grabbing at his pocket. And I've shared this before, but it was one of those life lessons that, that, that God just t- that teaches you that, uh, that sticks with you for the rest of your life. And he's writhing on the floor, and he's grabbing at his pocket, and someone says, something is in his pocket, something in his pocket. So we reach into his pocket, and as we pull out his pocket, he had two things in his pocket. One, he had a little gargoyle-looking, icon-looking thing, and one was a vial of blood. Who walks around with vial of blood and, 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 and a gargoyle? All right, so we took that out, we put it on the windowsill, we continue to cast these things out of him, and finally these things break off of him. He, he now in tears, he gives his life to Jesus. God you know, sets him free and then he gives his life to Jesus. And then we ask, who are you and what, and, and why do you have these objects in your, in your pocket? And this is the story he told. He says, him, he, and a few others are part of a witch's coven in this area. And they've been sensing something coming off of this house. And he was sent in by the witch's coven to infiltrate and to see what's going on. And he was told that this icon, this thing that he had, coupled with the blood, I guess they, and he said it was cat blood. Don't ask me how he got the cat's blood in there. Was going to protect him from whatever we were doing. (laughs) And he had no idea that him and his girlfriend, his witch girlfriend, and those and those people who were casting spells also got him full of demons at the same time. Come on, somebody. Until he walked into a Holy Ghost-filled meeting. Come on. And then he got set free. And from that moment on, he, he renounced that. He started coming to church. He got rid of all his witchcraft stuff. But that was a modern-day thing happening where God took that, took took out a, a, a demonic stronghold that was in somebody's life. Come on, somebody. Can, 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 can I just say God is still delivering people today? Those who will humble themselves. But there are people who are getting sucked into demonic things, deceptions, witchcraft, things where God says, do not get involved. And they convince themselves by saying, oh, this this is... That's bad magic. This is good magic. This, this, that's white witchcraft. This is black witchcraft. This is white witchcraft. How many know there's no such thing as white witchcraft, black witchcraft? It's all bad, and it's all demonic. And if you're going to tarot card readers, listen to me. If you're going to those people who are telling your fortune, and you call yourself a Christian, you're going to walk in one way, and you're going to walk out with something else. I'm telling you, stay away from that stuff because the enemy is coming to give you troubles. And Jesus says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Matthew 8, verse 16, when evening came, it says, many who were, help me out, somebody, demon-possessed, many who were demon-possessed was brought to him, Jesus, and what did he do? He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. So where do troubles come from? They come from natural order of things because of the fall. They come from deceiving spirits who people allow themselves to, to get involved through, through uh, uh Uh, uh, through deception and through rebellion and through addictions and all these other things, through temptation. But I can't leave out the third category. We touched on it last week. Troubles come because of us. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) Write that down. All right? In James chapter 113, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires, by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Listen, listen. Some of the troubles we go through is not God and it's not the devil doing it. It's just the effect of sin on our lives and us allowing these things to become rampant. The Bible says whatever you, whatever you give your members to, that becomes your master. So if you continue to turn your members over to sinful things, then that, that sin in your life will eventually become your master. And the Bible says, I want no, nothing or no thing to be your master except the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? Amen? We want what we want when we want it, regardless of the consequences Pastor Rick, the devil's on my back. He caused me to lose my job. You mean it wasn't because you kept calling in or not showing up or coming in late? It's getting quiet in here. It wasn't because you did the absolute minimal when you were at work, only when the boss was watching. You spent more time talking and socializing than working. That wasn't the reason, it was the devil. Pastor Rick, I'm I'm having troubles in my marriage. She's threatening to leave me. I'm having troubles with my family, troubles with my bills. Why, why, why is God doing this to me? Well, well, let's look at it. What's been going on? I mean, what's really going on? Listen, it it couldn't possibly be because you spent all your waking hours sitting in front of the TV playing video games. Oh my goodness, it's getting quiet in here. It couldn't possibly be that you're spending all your free time hanging out with your buddies or your friends, drinking, smoking, party, whatever. It couldn't possibly be that you refuse to live within your means, refuse to give more than a tip to God, even though it comes with a blessing and a promise. It couldn't possibly be because your your pride, that you always have to have the last word. Or sometimes you have trouble just... shutting up? Or that you find, constantly find yourself in the middle of everyone else's business? Could that be the reason for at least some of your troubles? Just saying. No, Pastor Rick, I, I think it's God doing this to me. It's the devil doing it. Okay. Well, we know it's not God. According to James 1, right? He said God tempts no man. That's what <laughs> he doesn't. Why is God trying to trip you up? He has, he's not tempting anyone to do evil. And, and, and can we just be honest for a moment? That devil you're talking about, what does he look like? Have you, have you taken a look in the mirror lately? Does he look like that? Just saying. Why do troubles come? Well, those are three scenarios that I can think of. Natural order, we live in a messed up world, Satan, satanic influence in our lives, and the fact that we live a life that does not have self-control. We want what we want when we want it. Then we get the results of living that way. And then we want to blame God or the devil or something else except for the man and that Michael Jackson I'm looking at the man in the mirror I'm asking him to change his ways didn't, didn't he didn't he say something like that he should have ta- he should have taken his own advice so what do we do when troubles come next in the last few minutes let's talk about that when those situations come into your life, regardless of how they come, what should you do? Number one, turn them over to God. Allow him to come in to give you wisdom. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hands, that he may do what? Lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Do you believe that? Do you believe God cares for you? Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Nobody loves you more. Nobody loves your husband more. Nobody loves your children more than God does. So invite him into the equation. James chapter 5 verse 13. Is anyone among you in what? What's the, words? What's the word? Is anybody among you in trouble? All right. Let them do what? Complain incessantly. What, what does it say? Pray. Blame God. Come on. Help me out, somebody. What does it say? Pray. Go on up. Pray. Well, I'm just saying. I'm going to get myself in trouble if I keep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So, Oh, let me just finish that for those who didn't hear you guys. Let them pray. That's what it says. <laughs> let them pray. <laughs> Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. You know, the same Lord, who, they brought everybody to him. They cast out the, those who were oppressed by demons. The word he casted out. He laid hands on the sick to fulfill the, the prophet's thing. It says, and then he says, and the prayer offered up in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Watch this. And if they have sinned, what would happen? They will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. How many righteous people we got in here today? And listen, before you don't raise your hand, You've been made righteous. You've been made right by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Yes, you've been made right. You've been made children of God. You are chosen people, a royal priest priest of the holy nation. Not because you're good, but because God is good. And he's made us that way. And so, yes, he expects us to step out in these things, not because we're self-righteous. Self-righteous doesn't do anything. We, are, we, ha- we get our righteousness from Christ and him alone. And so step out in these things. Amen? Number two, lean on his wisdom and not your own. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways. Does it say all your ways? Does all mean all? I think so. All In all your ways, bring it all to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. Amen? In all your ways submit to him. And then what will happen? He will direct your paths. He will make your paths straight. The good shepherd knows how to get us to where we need to be. But if we are operating outside of submission to him, well we're going to end up someplace but it may not be a straight place it may be a crooked place it may be a low place even when we mess up though when we when we bring him into the equation how do you know that he has grace enough to cover even our mess ups amen amen even our screw ups god knew what he was getting when he called us he knows that we're not perfect people or perfect he knows that our feet are made of clay he knows all that and so That's why he calls us to be in in communion with him because as we uh, continue fellowship with him on the daily, as it says, take up your cross and follow him daily, not just once a week, okay? Not just Mondays and Wednesdays for Bible study time. He calls you to follow him on the daily and he says, in all your ways, submit him to him. So-called Christ follower, if you got Jesus on a, schedule, you're not going to get to where you need to be. When I say on a schedule, I got my Sunday morning time, man. Check. And the rest of the week is whatever else you're doing. You are not going to see God's plan for your life. He calls for an all in. You are either all in or you're not in at all. Hear what I'm saying. In all your ways, he says submit to him. And he will make your path straight. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the will of God. Because he knows that everybody's at a different place in their walk. And if anybody's interested in knowing God's will, I know I am. I want God's will. Because with his will comes his provision and his protection and his ability to promote I mean, you know, what God blesses, no one can tear down, amen? No one can curse. What God curses, no one can bless. And So I want to be, be so close to him, okay, that, that, that there's no difference. It's hard to tell the difference between me, where I start and he ends, and where he ends and I start. But only grace does that, amen? Only the blood of Jesus does that. I'm not talking about works. Works are not going to get us there. I'm talking about trust. In the Holy Spirit, tr- trusting God and walking in God's grace. Romans eight twenty eight. It says, "And we know that in help me out, somebody help me, help me. All, all, in all, all things, things. No worship, no worship. we know that in all things God works for the good of those who do what. Do you love them today? Are, is anyone ashamed to say they love they love them? He says he. He says, he, he says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who, and who have been called according to his purpose, his purpose. And so it promises that he's going to work things out. Does that make sense? That I walk this life out, he's going to work things out for me. God is working things out. Turn to someone and say, he's working it out. He's working it out. He's working it out. He's working it out, and so so first you gotta give give it over to God. Next you gotta lean on His wisdom, not your own. Let me give you the third thing, and there's only two more. This this one and the last one. You gotta respond appropriately. Respond appropriately. Second Corinthians three two. I'm talking about dealing with troubles, not if they come when they come. Second Corinthians three two says, "You yourselves are our letter, Paul speaking." written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. In other words, Paul is saying, you are a walking testimony. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Someone says, okay, well, you got to go read the Bible to find out. No, you're you're supposed to be the walking example of the word of God. Amen? And Paul said that to to the... To the Corinthian church. He says, You guys, you are a walking testimony, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. His work was read by everyone based on the people that because he went to them and he proclaimed Christ and He loved on them and then He nurtured them, then He raised them up, and then they became little Christ, little Christ walking around because of the result of His work. And so so we need to respond appropriately for when when trouble comes our way. Let me tell you something. Hashtag burn it down, that's not an appropriate response. Amen? Hashtag anything filled with hate or division, that's not a, an appropriate response. You got to find what the, what the Christ answer is through the deceptions and the temptations and the manipulations. We got to find that out and raise that up. Amen? So we got to respond appropriately. First Thessalonians 4.13 says, even in the face of death, because there are, you know, quite frankly, you know, people are dying all the time, and people are dying even unjustly. Now watch this. It says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who has, who has what? The rest of mankind has no hope. They don't know what's going on with eternal things and eternal matters. They've got a, they've got a, at best, a, a guess that <laughs> they hope would happen, okay? But the Bible says that's not the same for the Christian or the Christ follower, okay? Yes, death comes into our lives. I've, I've probably had more funerals over the last four months than I've had in a long time. i got, I've already done two. I've got two more coming, coming up, um, none of them COVID-related, thank God, but in a short period of time. And it's so much easier when I am doing a funeral um, that I'm talking about someone who I know was a Christ follower. Amen? Because for the Christ follower, this is is not a goodbye. This is until we meet again. (laughs) Amen? And it's so much more difficult when the person that we're dealing with is not a Christ follower. Uh, It's just very difficult to try to to try to navigate that. Usually, I say what I have to do because I think every life is a gift from God, honestly, however you might have lived it. But I try to transition it quickly to the things of the Lord to get their minds on spiritual things. It says, for we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. We have a hope, amen? We have a hope. And so even in the face of death, we need to respond appropriately. Now, let me give you the last one. Well, you tell me, what was the first one? What was the first one? The first one? Say it all out. Loud. Say it all out. Loud. Yeah. Verse number two. Lean on, Lean on him. Number three. Respond appropriately. Let me give you the last and final one. Folks, when trouble comes your way, you have to trust God for the outcome. Uh, There was an old song, I've said it before. He says, whenever I can't trace his hands, I've got to trust his heart. Because God's heart for every single one of us is good. Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, our sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. First John 5, 4, for everyone born of God does what? Everyone born of God does what? Overcomes what? Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Let me say this to you. You're an overcomer. You're an overcomer in Jesus' name. Victory is yours in Jesus' name. (laughs) You're more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. Listen to me. You're an overcomer. A matter of fact, say this with me. I'm an overcomer. Say, say. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. Listen, listen. How do I know this? I've read the back of the book, I know the end of the story. And let me just give you a little hint We we win. We win. We win. We are overcomers. In Christ, he did all the heavy lifting for every single one of us. And so when trouble comes your way, listen, and the devil starts whispering in your ear that you, or or maybe it's because of your own failures and your own shortcomings. This is what my Bible says, if I confess my sins. He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Where sin abounds, the Bible says grace even more abounds. So there's nothing in this earth or under the earth or over the earth that can that can has the ability to keep us away from the fact that God has made us all an overcomer in Jesus Christ. This is the victory that God that has overcome the world, even our even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Listen, listen, listen. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Any believers in here? Any believers? Any believers out there? Jesus is your victory. Jesus is the one. And in John 16, 33, Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Folks, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for victory, it's found in one place. The Bible calls us to abide in him. Not just visit for a little while <laughs> and then jump off of every cause that's running around out there. I got to stay in Jesus. And as I stay in Christ, the promise is that the victory is mine. That's the end of the book. I win. Even if the troubles on this earth take me off of this earth. I still win. (laughs) Because my Bible says that absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so he tells us to fear not, little ones, for I have not abandoned you. I have not forsaken you. Are there troubles coming on this earth? Yes. In this world, you will have troubles. But be of good cheer. He says, for I have overcome this world. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords at the right time will be establishing his kingdom. He's in the process of doing it, but he's calling the entire world, those who would come, to come sit at his table, to come to the feast, to confess your sins, to acknowledge that you you need a Savior, and to put your trust in him. That is the victory, your faith in Jesus Christ. As we come to the end of this service today, listen... If you've not yet made that kind of commitment to him, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer to that end. Let's everyone bow their heads and close their eyes. Close their eyes and right where you are, maybe even in your living room as well, bedroom, wherever you're viewing this, in your car, in another country. I know there are people who are viewing in another country. The victory is in Christ. He paid it all. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. And the victory is your faith, putting your trust in the finished work of Calvary. Trust that Jesus, who is called the Lamb of God, that takes away the sins of the world, that what he did, he didn't do for his own sins. He had no sins. He did it for my sins and your sins and the sins of the world so that we would not have to suffer the consequences of the original sin and that we could overcome the demonic attacks of the satanic the troubles that are coming and even the mess-ups of our own failures because our feet are made of clay and we mess up. And the Bible says the person who claims to not have sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. Don't lie, stop lying to yourself. And stop lying to your father. There's an open invitation. <laughs> he's given us this, he says, I'll give you my spirit, but you've got to acknowledge that you need him first. And so while you're here on this Father's Day, I have a father's calling out to you. And he's telling you to come. Come by way of the cross. That's the only way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him. And so with every head bound every eye closed, if that's you, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I've blown it in so many ways. Forgive me for the sin that's in my heart and the sin that's in my life. The, the sin that I've allowed to take over and run me and bring death into my life. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. I thank you for dying on the cross. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, takes away my sins. I put my faith in the finished work of the cross where you declared it is finished. And right now, in In exchange for my sins, I accept your robes of righteousness. I accept the forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood, dying on the cross three days later, rising from the dead. From this day forward, Father, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And While while you're there, just go ahead and ask him. Father, fill me with your spirit that spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, fill me, Jesus, with your spirit and every good gift that you have for me. I want to be so close to you. I want to be so close to you that there's no big change on that day you call my name. I want to be so close to you, Jesus. And today, I surrender my life completely to you. Jesus' name I pray Amen Thank you so very much for listening to this message We hope you were truly blessed If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.